0: Awesome, guys. It's so great to be with you. Uh, It's just been amazing things happening in the church and in the life of the church over the last little bit. I was actually uh, in the Dominican Republic Monday through Friday looking at one of our projects or understanding a bit more about our Christmas projects, which I'll tell you about in a moment. And so um, it was really cool. Thank you, Mark. Uh, It was really cool to be in multiple churches in the Dominican uh, in very impoverished areas with... Just a lack of resources that we get to enjoy here and to see and sense the same spirit of God, you know, there that is here. And to return here, uh, I wasn't here, but on Thursday night, the stage was filled with our kids in their Christmas uh, program. Yesterday morning, uh, because of the weather, we were in almost every inch of this building uh, putting together and serving 800 families a Christmas meal Then last night here in this room, or actually almost everywhere too, we held this big Christmas party for a soldier's child, which brought kids from all over the region whose parents have died in active military service. And we uh, were able to tell them that they are brave and strong and known and love just this beautiful, big, messy party. I was really impressed by how clean it was when I got here. Uh, So somebody did a really good job uh, on that. And um, all throughout today, as you've seen, um, y'all are bringing in gifts for children we're doing angel trees at a nursing home here for people who often feel forgotten i just want to thank you thank you thank you for um, being the church i know no other power like the church of jesus christ in the world i want to make sure that you've seen our christmas times for uh in two weeks we have uh, five services we'd love it if you went to prov.church save your seat would love for you just to make plans to be with us um we have found that many, many people, actually we expect hundreds and hundreds, if not a couple thousand people extra who don't normally come to church who will come on that night. And so that's what that little sticker is on the seat in front of you. See that, that QR code? What it actually leads you to is a way, just a little image that looks like that, that you can use to invite someone to join us here. So if you don't know how to use a QR code, this is probably not the time uh, for that tutorial so I just want to take that stress off Uh, but if if you're down if you're down with that you just uh, it's really easy you just hold up your camera and then there's a thing you push and you'll have uh, an image that you could text to somebody or put on social media and here's the reason why Uh, we want more people to know Jesus that 's the whole purpose it 's not you know there 's no certain amount of people we 're trying to get in here it 's just we want people to know about this Jesus that is coming to save them so uh, I wanted you to, to know about that Some of you all have heard in january i 'm asking those who go to our nine thirty service to go to eight or eleven that 's what that means eight or eleven and that 's not for everybody. We just need about one hundred families in January who normally come to 9.30 to come to the 8 or 11 o'clock service. um, uh, Just trust me on that one. We just need some of (laughs) y'all to to do that. Uh, Again, just to make room for for more folks. So if you want to do that, I'd actually like to talk to you after the service, just right over here. I'd like to get your name, and I'll just be emailing you in January. Again, we don't need everybody to do that. If all of y'all did that, we'd have another problem on our hands. So uh, just pray about if you could, for the month of January, go to 8 or 11 and that will be a huge, huge help. Our scripture is from Luke chapter one. You guys ready for some more Luke? I hope so. Luke chapter one. You've heard us tell the story leading up to this point that young Mary was visited by an angel named Gabriel who told her that she would be with a child and carry the son of the most high. She then took that news down uh, to her cousin Elizabeth's house. Two women who uh, really it should have been impossible for them to have children are gathering together. And the Holy Spirit came among them on Elizabeth and Mary. And then coming out of that moment of their babies jumping up and down in their wombs, Mary sings uh, traditionally what we think of is she sings a song. Uh, You'll see in the scriptures, as Mary said, but for some reason, from this moment, people have thought about this as Mary's song, and this song uh, has become a song that has been sung for 2,000 years. So here's Mary's song. It says, and Mary said, my soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior, for he has looked on the humble estate of his servant, for behold, from now on all generations will call me blessed. As he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and to his offspring forever. And then Mary remained with her. That's Elizabeth. And Mary remained with her about three months and returned to her home. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Um, I don't know how many of you guys watch the TV show, The Voice. How many of you watch The Voice? Okay, excellent. Eight o'clock, it was like nobody in this like... Skip that example. Uh, So this, I feel better. (laughs) But the greatest moment on The Voice, sort of the quintessential Voice moment, happens in the first few episodes when people are trying out. And it's called the four-chair turn, okay? When four chairs turn. And so I'll explain it to you. The the Voice has these super successful artists who themselves have had great careers and great voices. Right now, it's uh, John Legend and Gwen Stefani and Reba, who needs no last name, and some dude from One Direction. And so there's these four people, and they sit in chairs uh, facing the opposite direction from a contestant that will come on the stage. And it's, it's pretty cool. It, just by the power of the person's voice, Right, not who they are, not knowing their background, not some recommendation, um, you know, not the way they look, but just by the voice and the power of what's coming out of their heart, these judges have a, the ability to push a button that can turn their chair around to see them. And so sometimes one judge or two judge turns around, it's really cool, and that judge will get to sort of coach this person on the way. Sometimes no judges turn around, and it's this like not so good feeling. And then every once in a while, there's the four chair turn, right? All four people, just by the sound of the voice. And I picture a four chair turn when Mary sings her song, in a way, right? She wasn't on a game show. She wasn't looking for fame and fortune, so those parts are different, but this moment when Mary sang her song has basically been turning every chair for 2,000 years. People are like, who is this girl? What's going on with her? I want, to, I want to see her. I want to know more about her. And what is this sound coming out of her voice? What is she saying? Like I said, we know Mary has had this visit, but in the moment she encounters Elizabeth and the Holy Spirit comes, she is led to sing. Like I said, the scripture says, says so maybe, maybe it was, was something she said, but it, it became in a way, uh, it became a very famous song with a very sort of fancy name. The name of Mary's song is The Magnificat. And the Magnificat, is simply just Latin words for that first line of Mary's song, where she says, my soul magnifies the Lord. Something is going on in Mary's life and it leads her to sing. It leads her to sing something that others will notice and chairs turn around. The purpose of Mary's song is to make God bigger. Now, I've told some of you before that I went to seminary at a place called the University of the South. It's in Sewanee, Tennessee. And a part of our uh, our schooling is every fall, in the fall semester, we would have this lecture series. It sounds really boring, I know, I get it. But for for us, these budding theologians who are wanting to learn, they would bring in a world-renowned scholar who would speak to us for a few days. So no classes, we would just go to this big lecture hall on the university campus. It would be filled with all of the students of the school and we would get to hear and we would take notes. And the way it worked, Uh, They would give a speech, and then we'd have time for question and answer. And so my freshman year there, the uh, scholar who came, her name is Elizabeth Johnson. Actually, one of our textbooks she had written. She was from Fordham University, and she was coming to speak to us. And I was eager to hear what she would say. I was sitting on the front row of the balcony that was packed out. Elizabeth Johnson was this lady. She was about as tall as my music stand here. She was a, a Catholic nun. And she came out and she stood before all of us. And I still remember her speech. I actually remember every word of her speech because this was her speech. She stood up in front of us and spread her arms out wide like this. And she said, God is very, very big. And then she pulled her arms in like this and she said, and we are very, very small. And then she did it again for emphasis. She said, God is very, very big and we are very, very small. And then she said, and now I will take questions. (laughs) Did you know that it is possible for you in your life to make others see God as very, very big? Did you know that it is possible as a follower of God, as someone who is a Christian, to live a life that actually makes God smaller to other people? It doesn't make God smaller, but it, in, it, it can minimize who God is by the way that we live. Well, the song of Mary's life made God bigger. It magnified. It truly did. What Mary said and how she lived actually made God bigger bigger in the eyes of others. It has magnified God for all these years. This little girl made God very, very big to the whole world. And the songs we sing should make God bigger. The songs that we sing with our life, and so it it makes us ask ourselves, what is the song that I'm singing? When you raise your voice, think about it like this. When you raise your voice, when people notice you, how is it that you are making God look to them? God's the same size no matter what, right? (laughs) Very, very big. But Mary's saying, when you look through the lens of my soul, my soul magnifies the Lord, makes him look bigger. We usually sing, here's the songs we usually sing. We usually sing songs that make circumstances look bigger. Did you know that? The things that we usually say and do usually make the circumstances of our lives look bigger. Our songs point to circumstances and make them seem like the biggest thing in the world. I was thinking about some of the songs, you know, that we might sing, like, sure could use a few more cashiers here in Target. Uh, there's only two. Only two cashiers in this whole place. All right, like, how many houses are they going to build in Mount Juliet without first addressing the infrastructure? <laughs> no, don't, don't clap. That's terrible. I'm just kidding. Don't, no, no, seriously. All right, I got another one for you. Some of our mayors are here. Let's stop, okay? (laughs) Truly, truly. Uh, (laughs) I sing this song sometimes like, I guess I'm the only one that washes the dishes. You bunch of lazy bums. So these things are, are all real, right? Our circumstances are real. But Mary has a lot of very real circumstances going on in her life. Think about it. And she sings something that reminds her of the size of God. She sings something that shows how big God is relative to our circumstances. Most people are not going to do that. It's the job of the faithful. That's our job to sing that song. We all, every person in this room has the capacity to get chairs turned around. For people to notice you, let us magnify God. The world actually needs to know right now that God is bigger than the circumstances, that we should be pointing to to that. So Mary goes on to sing, and my spirit rejoices in God, my savior, for he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now on, all generations will call me blessed. Mary realizes that her name is going to be different moving forward. Her name, the way people look at her is gonna be different because of how God is acting in her life. Now, most of the time, we would think my name's gonna get a claim for the things that I'm going to do. But Mary's saying, people are gonna know who I am and they're gonna look at me differently because of the action of God. So I wanna to recount to you something. Uh, I did it actually on the same Sunday last year in December. I've done it many times and I'm doing it on purpose because I want it to make an impression on our hearts every year as we get ready for Jesus to come. Did you know? that the most popular girl name, the most popular baby name in the world, I'm just gonna give you some places, okay? The most popular girl name in Egypt is Mary. The most popular girl baby name in Tunisia is Mariam. In Colombia, Mariana. In Paraguay and Peru, Maria. In the United States, Mary. Mary. In the Arab world, which consists of 22 Arabic-speaking languages, the most popular girl name is Mariam. In Israel, among Muslim girls, it's Mariam. In Israel, among Christian girls, it's Maria. In Belgium, it's Maria. In Lebanon, and probably Lebanon, uh, it's, (laughs) it's Marie. In Bosnia, it's Marija. In Greece, it's Maria. In Portugal, in Romania, it's Maria. God did something in a little girl that magnified his effect, so much so that it changed her legacy. It changed the way people looked at her and even what they would call her. It is okay to sing a song of praise that recognizes what God has done in your life. Today, even in Mount Juliet, Tennessee, people name their daughters Mary. You may also know, though, that the name Mary in the Hebrew language is a root word of the word that we would call bitter. Mary comes from a very famous Hebrew name from her ancestors, a woman named Miriam, whose name literally meant the sea of bitterness. The reason Miriam and other Jewish girls at that time were being given the name bitter is because they were an enslaved people in Egypt. And so they would actually name their girls, I'm bitter, we're bitter, we live in a sea. Of bitterness, they na- put the name on their child. And so Miriam's name becomes later uh, where they were call- naming their girls Mary because they were still bitter, waiting for God to show up, waiting for God to do what God said he would do. Uh, it's interesting though, the Miriam that I told you about, um, does anybody know what Miriam was famous for in the Bible? She was famous for singing a song. Yep. After the Red Sea split, <laughs> And the slaves walked across on dry land and were saved. Moses, Miriam's brother, sang a song. And that song turned into a duet with his sister Miriam, who just so happened to have brought her tambourine from her slave quarters in Egypt and she began to sing a song. Miriam, whose name means sea of bitterness, has walked across a sea that God has split. And the song she sings is, Sing to the Lord, for he is highly exalted. That song sounds a lot to me like, My soul magnifies the Lord. Our Mary, with the root name bitter, was singing in the lineage of Miriam. Who's name was Bitter, who changed what her name meant when she sang to God a song of praise despite the circumstances. <laughs> so it's like, it's your choice, Jake. It's your choice, people. You can sing, woe is me. We can sing, I shouldn't have come to Target. We can sing, I'm the only one who does something around here. We can sing, my circumstances stink. Or we can sing... My God is really, really big, and he's going to change the situation. (laughs) Mary sang it before it even happened. She believed in it until she saw it. She said, my name's Mary, but from now on, she said this, the whole world is going to call me blessed. And today, in every corner of the world, baby girls are being born. They're saying, let's name her Mary. They have no idea that the name means Bitter. Because God changed the name, and Mary sang the song. So don't be afraid to sing a song that says things can change. You may be right in the middle of a big bunch of crud. you know. And what I want to say to you is people of faith are not afraid to sing a song that I believe this can change. I believe that my life can and will look different. I actually think that might be the, the chair turner right now for us. If Christians, those who follow Jesus in the face of circumstances, sang a song that says, hey, you know what? I know I see that too, but my God is really, really big. He's really, really big over all these things. Turn chairs, so let, let's, let's hear a little bit more of Mary's song. She says, and his mercy, verse 50, is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud and the thoughts of their hearts. He's brought down the mighty from their thrones. And exalted those of humble estate. He's filled the hungry with good things, and the rich he has sent away empty. That's really important. Mary says, "From henceforth, the song of my son will be for those who most people forget." She says, "I'm small, I'm of humble estate, but this big God is lifting up the small, is feeding the hungry, and is taking care of the poor." Don't we can't make we can't miss this. Mary's song is for the poor. In the moment that she noticed who she was in relation to God and that she wanted people to know the greatness of God, she also knew that a part of the story would be that the poor would be important to God and he would take care of them and he would rescue them. Thirty years after Mary's song, her son Jesus announces his own ministry in the temple in Nazareth in their hometown. We'll see it very soon in Luke chapter four. And here's what Jesus says, maybe a song of his. He says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. So Jesus, I think, is recognizing, you know, that the spirit of the Lord fell on his mother and Elizabeth. It anointed him and his anointing had a purpose. It was to share good news with the poor. Um, I have learned in the church that if we are talking about good news, and it's not good news to the poor, it's not really good news. That if we're in here and we're saying all these things that only make sense to those who have, if it's only good news to the rich, it's not the good news of Jesus. It's not good news unless it's good news to the poor. What we talk about, what we do here, to match up with Jesus, we have to preach a a, a gospel that is for the poor. The reason I was in the Dominican Republic last week was I was there to see what's called a compassion center. A hope and dream of ours is to start one in Peru. So I know that to try to make a sense of it, we went to see something that's happening in the Dominican that we're hoping to be a part of making possible through God's grace in Peru. In the Dominican, there are 230 of these compassion centers. And what a compassion center is, is a church. It's first a local church that says we want to do something that will be good news to the poor in our community, which in uh, the Dominican Republic, most people live on less than $3 a day. And so in a compassion center, which is a church, it then becomes converted into a place that children can come and be fed, have their medical needs taken care of, um, where they're loved, where they're valued, where they're connected with people who have resources. It's where their tuition for their school is paid for. It's not the school, but most kids there don't go to school because they don't have the money to go to school. And so being a compassion kid gets you access to go there. And one of the most beautiful things about a compassion center is it also has a place that's called a survival center. We wouldn't call that here. We would call it our nursery. And then the survivor center is where moms, pregnant moms and moms of newborns can come out of their homes and have a place where their child is fed, weighed, taken care of, uh, medical uh, treatment for both of them takes place there. Because their homes, I went to several of the homes of the moms, look like this. This mom's name is Naomi Esther. She has two children and one on the way. And she lives in one room behind there. And in these homes, there is nothing. They don't have water, they don't have a fridge. And we saw the power of Christians believing that if it's good news, it's good news to the poor. This was another home I went in where there was this little girl that my daughter Lydia had been carrying all day. And I just felt a sense of God's presence in that home. And so we are going to start a compassion center in Peru with survivor projects for literally hundreds of children. And it's going to take hundreds of thousands of dollars for years and years and years. And I'm going to ask you several months from now to actually be a sponsor of a child, that you'll know their name, that you'll write them letters, that you'll care for them. I met many of these adult kids who in the Dominican Republic now are young adults who love the Lord, who are disciples of Jesus, and who are living and thriving, who said they'd be dead without this. Um, We can't talk about good news without it being good news for the poor. And so I need you to sing that song with me for as long as we do this. And I know that you will, and I thank you for that. I want to share with you one more scripture. It's from Zephaniah chapter 3, an old prophecy of the coming Messiah. And it says, for the Lord your God is living among you. It was a crazy thing to think about, God coming to live among us. He is a mighty Savior. He will take delight in you with gladness. And listen to this, with his love he will calm all your fears. It's the picture of a mother or a father singing over their child. It says, he will rejoice over you with joyful songs. That God is singing over us. I want to invite the band to come back up now. And the close of our sermon is going to be a song, okay? And I just want you to See where the Lord takes you. I want you to picture that one day we'll be singing together, all together in heaven. So we sing songs here, but they're practice for getting there and worshiping. I want you to think about how, how big God is, not how small. And just maybe not think about your circumstances for a moment as we receive this. and think, Just think about God. Just let God be magnified in your soul.
1: Join the song, they're already singing, Holy, holy, holy are you. Just to bow down before your throne, see your face, I cry out.
0: Be seated. Let's pray. God, thank you for hearing our song. We hear your song. Thank you for singing over us, calming our fears. Thank you for these moments where we can get a, a foretaste of, of heaven. And, and now we will come to this humble table at our church, uh, bread and juice set for us as a way of receiving Christ. Let it be for us the body and the blood of your son, Jesus, of the one who came to Mary, who would lift up those of humble estate. Because we know, God, that we are poor. that <laughs> We are poor and we need Jesus. So we receive this good news as we come to the table today. In his name we pray, amen.